Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the giver of life. You're the one who comes and revives those dead flowers. You're the one who comes and picks up those that have been cast aside and draws them into your presence, into your kingdom, into your arms, into your love. And you fill us with more of you each day. Thank you, Lord, for that. Open our hearts to receive now. Open our ears to hear. Open our minds to understand. And just use me to bring your word at this time. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So last week I started a two-part mini-series on the, the Great Commandment. The reason for doing it is in response to what God has been saying to us over the last two to three months in the prayer meetings and at other times. He's been speaking to us about going out of the building, reaching out to and inviting people who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to receive him and receive the new life and freedom Jesus has prepared for them, bringing those dead flowers back to life. The question I asked last week was, why do we do it? And I said the simple answer is because Jesus has commanded and commissioned us to do so, as found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verse verses 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is what is known as the Great Commission. And last Sunday I said there's a more compelling reason, which is found a few chapters earlier in Matthew's Gospel, in a portion of Scripture that has become known as the Great Commandment. I spoke about the context of the Scripture last week, which you can watch if you missed it. You can go and watch the video on our, on our website, um, and you can hear what I said about it then. So, but let's read that Scripture again. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. For when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. <clears throat> and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now last week I spoke about the great commandment, about loving God, loving Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. When we truly love God, having believed in and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit in our lives. And the love of God is in us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us. What do we do with this love that we now have in us and hopefully flowing out of us? We do what verse 39 says to do, the second commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
The second commandment is interesting. On initial reading, it seems like a fairly simple thing. Love your neighbor. And that's where most people tend to stop, at the love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? That's the question Jesus was asked by an expert in the law, as found in Luke's Gospel, chapter, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, commonly known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jill spoke about it um, at the beginning of July on our, in our Parables of Jesus series. And if you're not sure who your neighbor is and want to find out, I recommend you watch that sermon. It's on the church website as well. It was the first, first um, sermon in July. But a quick spoiler, a little spoiler alert that if you plan to watch the sermon, I'm going to give you the answer, but still watch it, for it's a great, uh, to have greater understanding of what God is saying to us. The very brief answer to who is your neighbor is everyone. Everyone. Everyone is your neighbor. It's not just those who live in the dwellings around you, those living in your building, or those living on your street. Everyone in the world is your neighbor. So how do we love everyone? Well, you can forget about that. It's impossible for you and me to do. And it's also not expected of us, nor is it what God is commanding us to do. What he is commanding us to do is to have love towards everyone that we see and everyone we come across and have interactions with. You have a heart of love towards everyone that you see, even if you do not have an interaction with them. If we see someone who, for whatever reason, we find it hard to have love towards, we need to check our hearts, speak to God about it, confess and repent, and ask the Holy Spirit to change our heart and take captive those thoughts to Christ Jesus so that we have a change of heart and attitude, a change of mindset towards that person or people group. Think about how people's mindsets change towards Muslims after 9-11 in the USA and 7-7 here in London. Because of the action of a few radical men, there was a major change in mindset towards Muslims that's affected people who had nothing to do with what happened in those days. And there are still some people today who struggle to have love towards Muslims. They suspect all of them. And we've got to be careful of that. The one thing that I struggled with when we first arrived in this country was seeing interracial couples on the streets. Having grown up in apartheid South Africa where it was a crime for couples of different races to be in a relationship, you never saw it in public. And I had to check my heart and my attitude every time I saw a couple of different races working together in the streets. It, it shocked me. I really struggled with it. And I knew it wasn't right. It wasn't what God wanted for me to have, that attitude. I had to repent and ask God for forgiveness so many times. I can't remember when my mindset changed, but it has. It has changed. And it's no longer a problem I have to deal with. God has changed me from the inside out. My heart and my mind have been renewed. God's love has prevailed and renewed my mind. 
I was finishing off this message yesterday. I'd just finished off the message yesterday and Jill and I needed to go down to Boots to pick up some stuff for her. And we're walking down. And as we're walking down along past the Sainsbury's in Purley, just ahead of us, there was an interracial couple walking there. And it just, because I'd just been doing it, I looked at it and I thought, that's normal. It's not strange. It didn't offend me. And I just said, thank you, Lord, that you've just shown me today, this morning, as I've been working through this, just how my heart has changed. Isn't God good? We are commanded to love. And as I said last week, this love is a love that is not just a warm, fuzzy feeling, but a love that is about actions. When we act in loyalty and faithfulness towards God and towards our neighbors, we are loving God and our neighbors as God expects us to love. What is one of the ways that we show love to our family and friends? We give them gifts. For some people, this is their main love language. Dr. Gary Chapman speaks about the five love languages. And this is one of them, gifts, giving and receiving of gifts. And they're very good at it, those that love to give gifts. For others, that's not their main love language. But they're still able to give gifts to those they love. We as believers have been given the greatest gift of all time. Salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's also the greatest gift that we have been given to give away. We commanded to go and make disciples. To become a disciple of Jesus Christ, a person must know of the gift of salvation offered by Jesus Christ to all of us. And the way they get to know about it is when one of us tells them about it or demonstrates it to them through our love and actions. And when the Israelites of the Old Testament were asking God how they were to show their love for him, what sacrifices they could bring before him to demonstrate their love, he spoke to them through the prophet Micah, uh, who said this, He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6 verse 8. When Jesus ended the parable of the Good Samaritan, he asked the expert of the law, which of the three men were a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And his answer was, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. To show our love to God and to our neighbors, we need to go and do likewise. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. If we all lived like this, there would be no hatred and violence in the world. There would be no crime and bullying in the world. There would be no wars and conflicts in the world. We would all live together in harmony. But unfortunately, we live in a fallen world. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, sin entered this world, and we have lived in times of trouble and strife ever since, and will do so until Jesus Christ comes back to earth to rule and reign. But until that time, we are to fulfill the Great Commission and the Great Commandment and the Second Commandment. Now, so far, I've only focused on the first part of verse 39 of Matthew 22. Let's read it again and see what Maud has to say to us. 
Matthew 22:39. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are not only to love our neighbors, but we're also to love them as we love ourselves. For some people, this is a problem. If you don't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor? There are many people in the world today who do not love themselves for various reasons. If you struggle with this, I pray that you're receiving counseling and care from those who are trained to deal with these issues. I also pray that you're regularly speaking to God about these issues and are regularly praying with someone you trust and who loves you to help you deal with these issues. I think everyone at some stage of their life has looked in the mirror and not liked what they saw. They've thought about their situation and behavior and not liked what they recalled. But it is for a moment. It's not a lifestyle or a pattern. And that's okay when you deal with it like that. That's fine. But still, bring those times to God and ask Him to speak to you about the way you look or feel. Get His perspective before you get it from anyone else. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He knows what you are going through and thinking, even before you think it. He has your best interest at heart, and He loves you, He adores you, and He is for you. We need to be aware of where these negative thoughts and behavior patterns come from. They come from the pit of hell, from the devil. He's known as the father of lies and will lie to you and try to deceive you into thinking that you are not worth loving, and therefore your life is not worth living. Remember what Jesus said about the devil in John chapter 10 and verse 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us life in abundance. Abundant life doesn't, doesn't mean that we have everything we want but it does mean we have everything we need. Don't compare your life to the life of others. Don't compare yourself to others. You have been created by God and you are unique and special. Some of us are not just unique and special, we're also peculiar, aren't we Andy? <laughs> and that is a good thing. That is a good thing unique and special, but also peculiar. We are a peculiar people. Do you think God loves himself? Think about it. Do you think God loves himself? Of course he does. God is love. He cannot help but love himself. Now scripture tells us that each one of us is created in God's image and likeness. And if we create in God's image and likeness, he has to love us as well, because he loves himself. We are therefore loved by God, and we are to love ourselves. The only thing that God hates is sin. He cannot hate anyone living on the earth. It's impossible. He cannot hate you. He loves you, because when he looks at you, he sees himself, and he loves himself. Now, if we don't, do not love ourselves, our love for others will be superficial and will be a struggle. 
We can only love our neighbors to the extent that we love ourselves. So if you are struggling with this and are not receiving counseling and care and regular prayer, I ask you now, please decide to do something about it. Don't let this go. Get counseling, get prayer, do something about it. Now if this applies to you, speak to someone you trust and ask them to hold you accountable in getting help and regular prayer, professional help and regular prayer. And can I suggest, actually I'll ins- I want to insist that if you ask for prayer, you, that you ask two people to pray with you. Because sometimes the root issue can be linked to demonic activity from your past or from your family's past. That's most, most times that is the cause of these issues. There's demonic activity in the family or in your life from your past and you need two people praying with you at that time so that two are better than one. Scripture tells us that. So you need more than one person praying with you and for you. Do it with two. Don't do it with one person. And if someone asks you to pray, pray for them in this situation, make sure you have someone with you to pray with you. So that's two of you. The church is a safe place to ask for prayer. Grace Vineyard here is a safe place. We are a family who love one another and are willing to pray for whoever needs prayer. So we pray for one another. So in conclusion, we are to love our neighbors with all the love that God has placed in us. We are to share the love and truth of Jesus Christ with them, being always led by the Holy Spirit. This is to be by our actions as well as by our words. And to do this, we are to love ourselves. Amen. Discussion questions. Okay. The regular one, what stood out to you from this message? Second one, who are your neighbors that God has placed on your heart to reach with the love of Christ? And what plans do you have to reach them with his love? Share that on your table. The third one, only if you want to. Has there ever been a time in your life where you struggled to love yourself? How did God or others help you through this time? Okay, if you're able to talk about it, if that applies to you and you're able to talk about it, do it. But if it applies to you and you struggle to talk about it, that's fine, only you. Or, the other option on this, I was just thinking about it when we were worshipping, was has there been a time when you've helped someone through a situation where they were struggling to love themselves? Maybe talk about that without giving away names or details. If you've been in a situation where you've helped someone who, who struggled to love themselves and you've been able to draw alongside them. So do that one. Only if, if you want to share about your struggles, that's fine. If you want to share about how you helped someone else, that's, that'll be good. And then pray for one another.